Welcome to Healing at the Speed of Light. Every week, we discuss how laser therapy is changing healthcare and how you can benefit. Now, here is your host and founder of Laser Therapy Institute, Dr. Jason Roundtree. All right. Well, welcome back to Healing at the Speed of Light. This is your bi-weekly laser therapy podcast for patients specifically. Of course, this does... Uh, also contain a lot of information that might be useful to you as a healthcare practitioner, but we have a different podcast specifically for you called the Laser Therapy Institute Podcast. So if you're a healthcare practitioner, jump on over to that one after you listen to this. Right. But if you're a patient, this is where it's at. This is where we're going to talk about what laser therapy is and what it could do for different conditions. And in this case, today, we're going to be talking about shoulder pain. Shoulder pain. A lot of people can be dealing with that this time of year with shoveling and... You know, mm -hmm. all that sort of thing. Yeah, if you live up north. If you live north. If, if you're, you're living in the you're in Florida. states, you might, well, you're digging sandcastles. You know, yeah, that stick. sounds pretty nice right yeah, now. It does. Yeah. Excellent. So, yeah, a lot of people do have shoulder pain. A lot of people have shoulder problems. Um, actually, I thought I would give you a quiz today, Christy. Uh-oh. Yes. Do <laughs> you know what the most common musculoskeletal pain condition is? The number one most common. Well, because we're talking about shoulders, I uh -huh. want to say that, uh -huh. but I would almost say low back. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well done. You're exactly right. Low back pain is the number one thing that will take somebody into the hospital or, or even mm -hmm. the primary care doctor as far as uh, musculoskeletal problems, you know, mm -hmm. so problems involving the spine. So when we're talking pain, low back pain, that's a big one. What's the number two, do you think? Knee pain. Ooh. I'll have to deduct points from you there. Oh. Well, Back pain manifests itself in hips and knees. and Yes. So I was just trying to follow the pattern. Yeah. And, no, you're, you're very close, though. You're very close. Okay. Um, but it's just the other end of the spine, the neck. Oh, okay. Neck pain well, is yeah, the number two. Yeah, yeah, right? So you got low back pain is your number one most common. Neck pain is your number two. Mm -hmm. So now we're down to what's number three? I want to say knees. Yeah. <laughs> knees are actually going to be in your number four spot. So you're okay. not too well, far I'm off. getting closer. You're getting closer. Getting Shoulders closer. are the number three. So okay. out of the top three things that people go into the doctor with for pain, Shoulders are the number three. So okay. it comes in only behind neck and back pain. I knew it was a trick question. It was a little bit of a trick question. I apologize. <laughs> I'll give you your points back. So, okay, so we know shoulder pain is a really common one. A lot of people mm -hmm. do deal with it. Uh, a mm -hmm. lot of it is very activity-based, too. Mm -hmm. So it depends on if you're doing a lot of yard work or shoveling, like mm -hmm. you mentioned. Um, raking. Uh, raking. Mm -hmm. Repetitive motion at your right. work. I mean, there's a lot of things that affect the shoulder. It's not a weight-bearing joint, mm -hmm. um, but it is in demand. And then a lot of people, a lot of us, are side sleepers, and we end up sleeping on it too. And that can mm -hmm. be a real problem if you have shoulder pain. Sleeping right. on that side can become very, very difficult. Right. So out of all the different problems you can have in the shoulder, uh, there's a whole bunch of different ones. What's the most common one you probably hear of with, with shoulder problems? The rotator cuff. Yeah. And the tear and that sort of thing. Yep, exactly. Everybody, I think, has probably heard about somebody who has a rotator cuff tear or they're worried about the rotator cuff. And a lot of, pe a lot of people just don't even really know what a rotator cuff is. And it's just a term that we use for the muscles that surround the shoulder and enable you to do rotation motions. Mm -hmm. It's called the rotator cuff. So that's a very common one. Another one uh, would be like arthritis. Mm-hmm. 
of the of the shoulder. So that's where you have degenerative changes that take place within the joint. You get bone spurs, you can have inflammation, things like that. Um, what else? Anything else pop in your head for shoulder pain? Oh gosh, um, just inflammation and mm-hmm. uh, um, no. No, no inflammation. No, you're, <laughs> you're yeah, yeah. So bursitis and mm-hmm. tendonitis. Yes are inflammatory problems and those are very very common now if you had gone down to the elbow i would have said tendonitis Uh because i've experienced that you know and Mm -hmm. so um that makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. so the same process that happens Mm -hmm. like with with tennis elbow or repetitive motion and that sort of thing exactly Mm -hmm. it can happen up here in the bicep tendon can happen on the back side of the shoulder and the rotator cuff tendons you can get um bursitis inside the shoulder joint area and that can prevent you from moving it very well um so Last quiz, I promise. Okay. All right. What do you think the most common condition is out of the shoulder complaints? What's the most common condition that people will go to the doctor for? Uh, like, what's their diagnosis? What's the number one most common diagnosis for somebody who goes in with shoulder pain? I would almost say arthritis. Sure. A lot of times people go, oh, it must be rotator cuff mm-hmm. or maybe tendonitis. Turns out the answer is impingement, shoulder impingement. Mm -hmm. What do you think of when we say shoulder impingement? A pinch, a a restriction, Mm -hmm. you know, pain. Yes, definitely (laughs) pain. Yeah, definitely pain. And that's, yeah, you're you're exactly right. Things are getting pinched, impinged, and squeezed inside the shoulder. So I'm going to pull up a picture of the shoulder here, if my technological prowess can do it. Let's see. There we go. I covered myself up with a shoulder. It's pretty good, right? It is. Okay, now the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's hard to kind of envision this in your mind. But uh, we're looking uh, at a shoulder here, kind of the inside of the shoulder. And what I want you to focus on is that kind of blue area. You see that blue shadowed area? So right in there, there's this space between the top of the shoulder, that bony spot right up on top. I'll reach over and point at you here. So right up on top of the shoulder, this bony spot. And then also there's, a, there's, there's bone kind of on the outside here. But in between there is that blue space that's shown on that diagram. Mm-hmm. And that blue space is, a, is an area between the bone that contains a bursa and a muscle, as well as some other joint tissues. But that area right there in between the bones is exactly where an impingement will happen. So what happens is that area in blue, kind of the top of that area, will actually get inflamed Mm -hmm. or swollen, and then it will start to pinch because it only has so much room in between the bones. Right. And so as soon as that area gets inflamed or swollen, it doesn't have the room that it needs to glide because when you take your your arm and you go out to the side this way, yep, exactly, those tissues need to slide right along that pathway underneath the bone. Mm -hmm. If they're irritated, if they're inflamed, they don't have room to move, then they start to actually pinch within that section. And that's what we call impingement syndrome. And that's when you have the the less mobility and the pain with that movement. Right, right, exactly. So, um, and that can be very painful, not only in the area and where like you went out to your side, yep. Mm -hmm. It can be painful even coming forward a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. Yep, sometimes even even... going back and behind you. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly, exactly. So, uh, and the the tough thing with it too is it's it's kind of diffuse pain. It's kind of everywhere. It's deep in the shoulder. It doesn't always hurt. Does it radiate out? It can radiate out, or it can sometimes radiate down um, the front of the arm or the side of the arm as mm-hmm. well. And so it can be really hard to kind of nail down. It's, it's not like 
Um, and a lot, of, a lot of cases, a rotator cuff tear will hurt in just one spot. Impingement syndrome pain seems to be kind of deep in the shoulder. It kind of goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's your number one most common shoulder diagnosis, actually, is impingement syndrome, which means that nothing is really torn, but it's swollen, it's inflamed, it's mm-hmm. irritated, mm-hmm. right? So let me uh, get this back here. I like to be the star of the show, so I don't want that being in the way too much. No, got to have you back. Right. <laughs> All right. So this the study we're looking at for this particular topic today is titled, I'll give you the title in a minute actually, but I'm just going to read you a quote from there. Uh, they say, shoulder impingement syndrome occurs as a result of the impingement of the soft tissue, supraspinatus tendon, and subacromial bursa between the humeral head and coracoacromial arch. So that just kind of be in that ball and socket area? Mm, right above it. Yeah, mm-hmm. right above that kind of ball and socket area. Um, and, and that the shoulder is very unique. You know, your hip doesn't have a muscle that runs in between the mm-hmm. bone of the ball and socket. But the shoulder does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that construction means that we're a little bit weak in that area where if that gets inflamed, you know, mm-hmm. it stops moving correctly. Mm-hmm. So one of the best ways to figure out what is going on, because it is kind of diffuse and, and pain that's kind of all over, is to do a diagnostic ultrasound. Okay. Because an MRI, as great as an MRI is, it's just someone sitting there completely still in a tube. And so you don't really see how the shoulder moves. But when you use right. a diagnostic ultrasound, you can actually look right at those tissues. You can put the patient... Yeah have the person move mm-hmm. as you're doing the ultrasound yep yeah and what you see on the ultrasound is you see that instead of all these muscles sliding up underneath this bone they just bunch up right here and that's usually painful when you have somebody do that so you can very quickly and accurately diagnose shoulder impingement syndrome with a very low cost method right there x-rays don't show it mri doesn't usually show it um you know an mri will show damage right. but in a lot of times an impingement syndrome is not actually damage your rotator cuff isn't torn uh, the joint may be in fine shape but those tissues may be swollen inflamed irritated and you'll see them pinch once they go into that motion so what causes something like that do you do we do we know is it what what are the causes of that kind of inflammation? There's not a real clear explanation, but we do think that repetitive motion is one of the biggest causes. Okay. So if you have to do a lot of overhead work, mm-hmm. that's that's a factor. You can actually injure that area too by falling or lifting something, mm-hmm. and then when that gets swollen and the body's attempt to repair it, it starts to impinge. And then the problem is, the more it impinges, the more it swells, and the mm-hmm. more it swells, the more it impinges. And so mm-hmm. it's this ongoing, ongoing cycle. cycle. Yep, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yep. So the study we're looking at uh, for this, I'll give you the title of it now. It's it's a study from uh, back in January of 2021. Very so, recent. Yeah, just a little more than a year old mm-hmm. now. And the title is, The Effectiveness of High-Intensity Laser Therapy on Pain, Range of Motion, Functional Capacity, Quality of Life, and Muscle Strength in Subacromial Impingement Syndrome, a three-month follow-up, double-blinded, randomized, placebo-controlled trial. Phew. Phew. I made it. Made it all the <laughs> way through. Um, so to break that down, they're saying, okay, does laser therapy help with all these different markers of impingement syndrome? And we're going to follow it up not only immediately, does it does it make things feel better now, but how does it make things feel better? Down the road. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because that's what matters, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit of temporary relief is really not that important. You can get that with some ibuprofen maybe. Right. But... But the goal is lasting relief. Exactly. Lasting help exactly so 
So that's what this study is looking at. You know, does laser therapy work for impingement syndrome? Now, if you're new to us and this podcast, or you're wondering what laser therapy is, we're not talking about burning or cutting any tissues. We're actually using very safe, non-invasive laser light to stimulate a positive change in the body's biology. It's actually called photobiomodulation at this point. And photobiomodulation trying to mean that we're using light or photons to stimulate a biological stimulus Mm -hmm. to modulate the body's tissues and enhance repair and decrease pain. It says in the study that the pain releasing effect of high intensity laser therapy is provided by reducing the transmission of painful stimuli and increasing the morphine mimetic factors. It, it rapidly induces photochemical and photothermal effects, increasing blood flow and cell metabolism and vascular permeability. Now, a lot of that is really kind of technical language, but essentially what it's saying is we're getting more blood flow and better cellular function. So you're working on healing this thing mm-hmm. at a cellular level. Right. And you're using light to stimulate that process. And if you can think about it this way, Light is made up of photons. Mm-hmm. Those photons can, if they're the right color, the right wavelength, they can actually pass right through the skin. Mm-hmm. They interact with your cells and go from being photon light energy, they're basically translated into chemical energy that the body that can then use to stimulate a repair process through increased metabolism, better, better, um, better vascular performance for getting more blood flow in there. So we're just stimulating the body's own processes by directly delivering more energy to these damaged areas. Mm-hmm. No cutting, no burning. And it's amazing. It is. I mean, it's it's stimulating the body to do what it's supposed to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly right. And we've seen this in thousands of cases, of course. But looking at these studies, it's always nice to see somebody else's results. And this is a very well put together study. Again, this is a double-blinded study, meaning that both the patients and the person delivering the treatment, neither they didn't know if the treatment was a placebo, a fake, Mm -hmm. or if it was real. Mm -hmm. It's very important to do that here. It's important to have a placebo-controlled trial because if it's the placebo effect is very, very strong. Mm-hmm. You know, if you give two groups of people a drug and you tell one person, one group of people, that that drug's going to help their pain, and you tell the other group of people that, hey, this usually doesn't work, but the drug is actually the same, the people that you told them that it's going to work better, they absolutely get more relief. And the people that you told them that that same drug was not going to work well, they don't get much relief. Right. So the placebo effect is a big one, and to it be is. able to control that in these studies is very important to see if it's actually working you know, is, is the laser actually doing something for pain or is it all in your head? Is right. it all a placebo? Right. And part of it in your head is good, but you need to know that this actually works. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with believing in what you're doing. It right. does help. It enhances it no matter whether right. that's no matter what. physical therapy or chiropractic or medications or laser therapy, understanding it and believing that what you're doing is the best thing is a way to enhance the response of what you're doing. But when it comes to research, yes. We need this. We do. We need to know that it's actually working. Right. So they took, for this study, they took a whole group of patients and uh, split them up into two groups. One group got exercises and laser therapy, and the other group got exercises and placebo laser therapy. So they both went through the same process, just in that second group, the laser wasn't actually switched on. Mm -hmm. They were using it, the handpiece over the tissues, Mm -hmm. but they didn't have it emitting any laser. And you can't tell because these infrared lasers are invisible to the human eye. Right. So they went through, 
they, they put all these patients who had impingement syndrome through about three weeks of treatment. They yeah. treated them every day, five days a week, mm-hmm. for three weeks straight. And they did about 30 minutes of laser and about 30 minutes of exercises. Okay. Con- cons- consistency is really key. It's true. So That's true. Yeah, being consistent is really, really important. Uh, just one treatment isn't necessarily going to do anything. It's like going to the gym one time. Right. You know, you can't go to the gym once and then think, why am I not stronger? Well, because <laughs> you didn't do what you're supposed to do. You didn't stay consistent. Right. So whether it's exercises or uh, chiropractic adjusting or laser therapy, being consistent with the protocol, with the plan, is really important to see if it's going to be something that works for you. Right. So, again, uh, both groups had exercise, the same exercises, Mm -hmm. and both groups had either laser therapy or this placebo laser, right? Let me find my my other quote here I wanted to give you. All right. Now, when you divide those groups up, Mm -hmm. when you divide these two groups up, they're supposed to be about the same in terms of their average age and uh, how long their condition has been uh, problematic, how severe it is. And in this case, when they split these groups up, one group came out actually a little bit better off in terms of quality of life and severity than the other group. Mm-hmm. It turns out the sham group was already, they kind of had a head start in this case. So the laser group was starting from behind and the group that was getting the false laser was already a little bit better. And that's just a factor of how they split these people up. Okay, okay? interesting. I just thought it was really kind of interesting yeah. that they, they showed that, but it shows you that <coughs> starting from behind with laser therapy, you know, um, well, let's get into the results. So <laughs> for the Thanks. results, uh, it worked out extremely well in favor of the laser therapy group. So both groups did get better. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong there. Uh, both groups did get better. In the laser therapy group, all the markers that they were looking at were improved by the end of the 12 weeks. Matter of fact, at the three-week mark, right at the end of them completing treatment, 25 out of the 26 markers that they were using to measure success Mm -hmm. were better. And at the end of those 12 weeks, which is nine weeks after they had stopped all treatment, all those markers were significantly better. And we're talking about strength, range of motion, quality of life, pain, all of it. So it all continued to improve. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Continued to improve. Whereas the group that got the sham laser, they had 20 of 26 markers that had improved at the end of the three weeks. But by the time they got to the end of the 12 weeks, so nine weeks after they stopped care, they were down to just 14 of those 26 markers had improved. So the folks that did not get laser, they were pretty good after Mm -hmm. three weeks of exercise, Mm -hmm. but then they actually lost their progress over those next nine weeks. Wow, fascinating. Well, with laser, people continued to improve. Well, you've always said laser has a cumulative effect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so... It just keeps keeps on working, keeps on going. It does, yeah. And it's because you're stimulating the mm-hmm. body's natural processes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really nice to see that in this mm-hmm. case. And we, a lot of times we don't get these longer-term follow-ups right. to see how well it does, not only in the right now, mm-hmm. but then down the road once treatment's done. You know, mm-hmm. once you've completed your three weeks and you're out the door, how does it really do? Well, in this case, at least, it turned out that these, these folks with shoulder pain continue to do really, really well. That's actually really exciting. It is. So it is, and it's nice to it's nice to see that in a in a very balanced group. And again, remember, um, especially when they started out behind. It's exactly what I was just going to say. They, yeah, it's like the tortoise wins the race. Right. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
yeah, when you start out already being worse and then you end up moving uh, ahead and ending up better, that really says a lot for the quality mm -hmm. of the treatment that was done. Um, and the fact that this was placebo controlled rules out the fact that these people just thought they were getting better. Right. Right. Yeah. They actually did. Exactly. They actually did. Yeah. And this says, too, that most of the studies performed with laser therapy have revealed that the high-intensity laser therapy is safe and effective and easily applied uh, for musculoskeletal injuries like neck pain, back pain, and so forth. They say it's been used for symptoms in a wide range of disease groups, such as low back pain and facial paralysis and chronic diabetic foot ulcers as well. So all mm -hmm. kinds of things that you can use safe, non-invasive laser therapy for. And, you know, are there any side effects? No, we've never seen really any documented serious adverse events. In this particular study, they say there were no side effects noted at all uh, in either group, the group that got the sham mm -hmm. laser or the real laser. You know, both mm -hmm. groups were doing exercise. So everybody, you know, everybody tolerated this treatment extremely well. Um, and definitely the laser therapy came out on top this time. Nice. That's, that's encouraging. It has to be encouraging to, to people as well. Mm -hmm. It's a very non-invasive very plausible method of treatment. Yeah, yeah, exactly, when it can work that well. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people are sent to physical therapy for uh, shoulder problems. Mm -hmm. And clearly, like, like right here, it worked out quite well for the people who were just getting traditional physical therapy mm -hmm. exercises. It just, it worked out even better once you had physical therapy and laser therapy together, together. for these patients, mm -hmm. absolutely. So while PT is a great option, PT plus laser therapy is an even better option. Mm -hmm. um, and realize if you're dealing with shoulder pain, you're you're in a group that is pretty big. You know, right. it's very, very common. In most cases, that's going to actually end up being impingement syndrome. So you want to make sure you get a good, accurate diagnosis of mm -hmm. what is wrong. Make mm -hmm. sure that you don't have, uh, you know, tears or damage or arthritis. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure you know what you're dealing with. But if you get diagnosed with an impingement syndrome, laser therapy and physical therapy can be a great combo to get you out there and get you back to normal. Right. That's sounds, all I've got. Sounds great. Awesome. Sounds good. Okay. Well, thanks very much for joining me today. If you're looking for effective laser therapy options, you can find clinics on our website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can go there and click onto the clinics tab. That will help you find a clinic near you. If you're having some trouble finding someone near you, you can also just email us, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. We'll be happy to answer all the questions you might have, assist you in finding good effective laser therapy near you. If you know a practitioner or if you are a practitioner looking for uh, effective ways to use laser therapy in your practice, we are here for you. We can help set you up with the right settings, the right protocols, marketing, training, certification, mm -hmm all of it. Mm -hmm. And we're the only independent training organization for class four laser therapy physicians out there. We got one question we're going to answer real quick here. Uh, question is, which wavelength is recommended for shoulder pain treatment? Well, a lot of wavelengths have been used effectively for shoulder pain, everything from 800 to 810. Uh, we've also seen 905 mm -hmm. and 980 used very, very well. In this particular study, they used a 1,064 nanometer wavelength uh, high-intensity laser. We've seen more and more research lately with that 1064 nanometer wavelength. It's a very deep penetrating wavelength uh, with less scatter than an 810 nanometer wavelength. However, we know that a lot of lasers can have very good effects for shoulder pain, right. shoulder problems. And so if you have anything in that 810 or 800 to about... Uh, this 1,064 nanometer wavelength, anywhere in there, is probably going to have some great effects. All right. Sounds good. Signing off until a couple weeks from now. We'll be back.
Subscribe to this weekly podcast for more great information. Find a certified laser therapy clinic near you at lasertherapyinstitute.org. If you're a healthcare provider, check out our practitioner-focused Laser Therapy Institute podcast. Thanks for listening.